1: Good morning. It is time to get up with the Draymond decision. The league has weighed in, but there remain so many questions. We'll bring you all the answers right off the top. Meanwhile, the boys shuffle off to Buffalo. We'll tell you why this game will decide absolutely everything and who's going to win. Plus, Travis Kelsey has a message for us. The question is, is he right? Or is everything not at all up to date in Kansas City? All that, a whole lot more. We are
2: jam-packed and ready to go look at this squad.
1: Danny is ready to go, Kmart ready to go, Jay will Harry will get that boy bed, D-Wood is dressed and Ooh,
2: ready to go, and the insight
1: is here, the insiders you want to hear from Woj and Wendy ready to go on the huge story from the NBA last night. Here we go, Warriors forward Draymond Green has been suspended indefinitely by the league Following the ejection for hitting Yusuf Nurkic in the face on Tuesday night. Green's indefinite suspension takes into account his repeated history of unsportsmanlike acts. It is the sixth time that Draymond has been suspended in his career. The second time this season. Metta World Peace, you may recall, drew a seven-game suspension for his altercation with James Harden in 2011, which remains... To this point, the longest suspension for an in-game incident since the 2010 season. So we have all the insight that you could be looking for. Again, Jay, Will, Windy, with us, and Woj. We'll start with you as the world got this news from you early last evening. Take us through it for those who've not been, you know, close to the media overnight. What are all the things people need to know about this decision from the NBA?
3: Oh, Greeny, what is unique about this decision is Draymond Green's Suspension, suspension is indefinite. And a part of that is uh, his recognition uh, that he needs to get some some help for whatever challenges he's facing and that that's going to be part of this process and part of the benchmarks about when he would come back. You know, remember, we're leaving out of – we talk about the suspensions. We're leaving out the Jordan Poole incident last year, which was a, uh, essentially a Warriors incident, uh, a situation. There was no suspension, but he left the team – uh, essentially for an indefinite period. And and that's a big part of this uh, for Adam Silver, for the league, is that this behavior by Draymond Green is unsustainable. It isn't for that organization, and it isn't for the NBA, both Rudy, the Rudy Gobert and then the Yousef Nurkic situations this year. And again, going back to last year with Jordan Poole. And so I'm told uh, he is uh, open and and accepting of the fact that he's got to get Uh, some help for, what again, whatever challenges he's facing right now. And so I'm told today uh, Draymond Green, his agent Rich Paul, and Mike Dunleavy Jr., uh, the GM of the Warriors, they're going to meet and they're going to start the conversation with the league about what this is going to look like.
1: Okay, so we'll come back to Woj in a second. Jay, let me come to you. You were here Mm -hmm. yesterday. We talked at great length About this, about our expectations, about what you thought would be appropriate. What is your reaction to the decision from the league? I think
4: it's justified. Uh, I want Draymond to get the help that he deserves. I think he is one of the smartest players there is in the game. Obviously, this is a problem that he will need to address, Greeny. And whatever time it takes, it's going to be worth it for Draymond. But I I do want to say something. It doesn't absolve Draymond at all. But I, I want to make sure that we put responsibility on the league as well. Because for me, it almost feels like this type of behavior has been enabled for a while now. And we've seen it, if it was the punch of Jordan Poole, if it was the stomping on DeMontis Sabonis' chest, Mm -hmm. if it was choking out Rudy Gobert, everybody has addressed that this has been an issue. So as much as we're gonna put the onus on Draymond, which it should be on, I also think there needs to be responsibility and accountability on the league because they could have nipped this in the bud earlier if they had acknowledged that this was a problem. And most people recognize that this was an issue, Greeny, but their lack of power and how they handled this, and this is sometimes where I appreciate the NFL a little bit more than the NBA as it relates to player empowerment and things of that sort, Because it feels like the NFL would have had more of a stern hand in how they would
1: have dealt with this from the beginning. Just to make clear all the things you're seeing on the video, this was the incident in last year's playoffs for which Draymond was suspended, a game in which he stomps on DeMontis Sabonis of the Sacramento Kings. A moment ago, you saw the video of the Rudy Gobert incident, which uh, coincidentally was one month ago today, November 14th. And then the previous incident that Woj had referenced with Jordan Poole, who was his teammate at the time, took place before last season. Again, he wasn't officially suspended For that, but as mentioned, did take some time away. So, those are the incidents that we've seen just over the course of the last, let's call it 14 months or so. Wendy, you were telling me this morning you spent a lot of the day yesterday talking to people all across the league. What did you hear?
5: Well, there's not a lot of uh, sympathy at all for Draymond Green. And I think one of the things that the league wanted to do by handling it this way was take the onus away from the punishment, because that's what there was so much focus on. What would they give him in terms of games for a punishment and turn it towards what the cause is? Because Greeny, as you just mentioned, last year during training camp, Draymond took, by his own words, took some time away to work on himself following the punch. And in the wake of that, he has been suspended four times. You just went over some of them, what you didn't go over is he was suspended for 16 technical fouls because he chirped and grated on the officials and had poor on court behavior throughout last season. So, what the league is doing at this point is taking it out of the system that it's been working, somewhat taking it out of the Warriors' hands, because the way it's been working, especially in the wake of that punch, hasn't been successful, and so they want to try to get Draymond to a place where he examines more the root of this as Mm. opposed to just throwing down another suspension where you count the number of games, and hopefully this is the last suspension of his career. That's what they're aiming for here, not to, you know, satisfy the mob or, you know, send some sort of quote-unquote message.
1: I think that makes sense. I'd like to play what Kevin Durant had to say last night. Of course, Durant was um, teammates with uh, Draymond Green in, in Golden State for a few years. Not any secret that they didn't always see eye to eye, but Will, our director, if we could, let, let's play what Kevin Durant said last night, because I thought this was interesting and probably spoke for a lot of people.
0: That was insane to see. Uh, glad Nurk is alright. Uh, never seen that before on a basketball court in an NBA game. I hope Draymond gets the help he needs. Uh, it's been incident after incident, so... Uh, I know Draymond, and that's not, you know, he doesn't, he, he hasn't been that way when I was around him and coming into the league. So hopefully he gets the help he needs and get back on the court and, you know, put all the stuff behind him. So that was
1: Durant last night. Of course, it was against Phoenix the other night that this incident took place. And, Jay, you, you made an interesting point on my radio show Yesterday, after we finished Get Up, which is we can talk about the responsibility on the league here to take action and yes. to try and um, intervene. How about the responsibility on the leadership of the Warriors themselves, which I, I suppose would primarily include Steph Curry, the superstar player, Steve yeah. Kerr, the somewhat legendary coach, and, and ownership to whatever degree?
4: Well, I mean, it's safe to assume that these guys have addressed this internally, right? Um but, you know, yesterday while we were watching, I'm watching the Steph Curry press conference and Steve Kerr, it just kind of showed me the difference between Steph and LeBron because we would have held LeBron James accountable. We would have been having microphones in his face, 24-7 Grinny, asking him question after question about his teammates' behavior, and why, you know, if he condoned behavior like that, where it feels like with Steph, we allowed him to kind of skirt out of it and not really press him on those type of questions, there's no doubt he will have to address that today. Look, I know Steph Curry, and I know Steve Curry and what they stand for. He is the epitome of class. But the way we treat those two and how we handle those, we're both being in the conversation for some
1: of the greatest players of all time. Let's just acknowledge for the fact that we treat them differently. So there are so many different parts of this story. in Woj, one of them is where the Warriors are at this particular moment in their history. We're talking about what might be the, the last moments, uh, I suppose, of one of the great dynasties in the history of the sport. They have this extraordinarily high payroll. They have a bunch of older players of whom Draymond Green is one. It, their record is under 500 right now. It feels like they have some big decisions to make. How should fans be looking at that, Woj?
3: No, this is absolutely an inflection point for the Warriors, and this was a team that uh, the front office, the coaching staff, I think Steph Curry, they, they thought they had a contending team coming into the season. And you've seen, you know, players who were integral, uh, certainly their most recent championship really underachieved this season and Draymond Green simply has not been available that's going to continue now uh, Clay Thompson certainly has struggled this season uh, Andrew Wiggins has not played at the level of a player who was dominant in the finals against Boston two years ago and you know really Steph Curry is the one player uh, you know who has been himself this year and you know that's certainly the frustration for Golden State is that they still have a Steph Curry you can build a championship team around who's at the level That can play with anybody in the league. But right now, his supporting cats isn't there. This is a team uh, with a a record payroll right now. And, you know, the the answers are going to have to come from within this Golden State team, this roster. There are not big trades for them uh, to make. Uh, When your players are underachieving, they don't have trade value. And so uh, there certainly still is time for this uh, Warriors team. Uh, But there's no question, you know, especially around what has happened with Draymond Green in the first year of a new four-year, $100 million deal. Um, you know, this is a team that's absolutely in crisis right now.
1: Yeah, that's an important point that I'm glad you made, Woj, because I forgot to mention it at the beginning. He is in year one of a new contract they just did. Wendy, give me a final word on this for this moment. Again, we'll have further conversation about this as the day goes on. Stephen A. will be here, Michael Wilbon and others. But, Wendy, what, what's, uh, what's fill in a blank here if there's anything we left out.
5: We are in a moment where we need to see actions over words. Um, Some of the words that Draymond has said over the last year have not matched the actions. The actions have to be corrected, and that is the message that Adam Silver and Joe Dumar sent loud and clear with this uh, decision to suspend him indefinitely.
1: Now that's well said. Okay, guys, stay close. We'll have much more from all of our basketball insiders as we continue today. In the meantime, did you see what Giannis did last night? Holy smoke, Jay Will. Giannis and the Bucks taking on the high flying Pacers. We all saw a lot of Tyrese Halliburton in the in-season tournament and everything else. And this, here's an incident in the first quarter. That's Halliburton going to the hole. This is him. Watch him run into Giannis. Whoop, that down. What do you think of this? Well, this is aggressiveness. This is a rivalry between these two teams. Do not forget that Tyrese
4: Halliburton and the Pacers absolutely took to task the Milwaukee Bucks in the
1: in-season tournament. All right, so they're all good there after a moment. Meanwhile, let's go to the end of this game. Fourth quarter, Bucks are up by eight. Giannis, this is a hard foul by Aaron Naismith.
4: Hard foul, but, you know, I I, I appreciate it by Aaron Naismith, right?
1: He held him on the way down, didn't allow him to
4: crash. I get that it's going to turn into a potential fight, but, but once again... This is the intensity between these two teams.
1: Yeah, Bobby Portis didn't look happy with it. You'll take another look.
4: See, this one's talking about, all right. He yeah. holds him brings him to the ground, but holds it down. It, I get it. Tec-
1: technicals for both Nismith and Portis. In the meantime, Milwaukee would ultimately pull away, but the storyline would be Giannis. Uh, he's got 47 points as he gets this one to fall, and he's just getting started. Final uh, half of the fourth quarter here. Here comes Giannis going for 50. Right, one of the most dominant
4: players in the game of basketball. By the way, when he gets a full head of steam going downhill, you're not gonna stop it. That pick and roll of him and Dame is very special.
1: Final half minute, this is Giannis putting the finishing touches on a career high 64. 64- Points, But that wasn't all the, the, the drama that would take place. So take a look. The game ends. You can see the Bucks want the game ball. They want to save the ball for Giannis because he scored 64 points. The Pacers had taken it because Oscar Tuiwe had scored his first ever NBA points. There's a lot of confusion about where the ball is. We got everybody outside the Pacers locker room. A heated discussion would ensue. A crazy sequence. Here's what Giannis had to say after the game.
0: I have the ball,
4: but I don't know if it's a game ball. It doesn't feel like the game ball to me. It's, it feels like a brand new ball.
0: They took the ball and said, our rookie scored his first his first NBA points when it's like, you know, this dude just scored 60. The ball that uh, I have, which I'll take and I'll give it to my mom for sure, but uh, I don't know if it's actually the game balls, but it's, it's, it's okay, you know, uh, life should continue.
1: One way or another, it was an unbelievable, like, crazy story, right? I mean, just a crazy situation. But Giannis, a franchise record 64 points, fifth player in history to score 60 while shooting 70% from the floor. All right, the football we will go next, the game of the weekend. Dak versus Josh. We'll tell you why the Cowboys should be very worried as they shuffle off to Buffalo. Plus, Travis, with strong comments about the receivers yesterday, you'll hear who he's angry at and why right after this. It's Get Up on ESPN. all nine essential amino acids they're also great for all your adventures so whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios wonderful pistachios has got you covered grab wonderful pistachios and elevate your snacking game today visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more
5: robert half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring if you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too
1: Week 15 in the NFL kicks off tonight. It's a huge weekend. Let's take a look at what we're watching for. D Wood, what do you have your eye on? Jared
0: Goff, where you at, bro? Where you at? I need, Jerry, I need my old, I need my old man back. Jared Goff. I mean, you talking about a guy with nine turnovers in the last four games? That's a fall cry for the way he was balling for most of the season. I need the old Jared Goff back that's out here making things happen. Danny, what are you watching for this weekend?
7: Philadelphia's secondary versus Seattle's pass catchers. DK Metcalf is still one of the best one-on-one players in the NFL. And then you move on to a player like Tyler Lockett, who's so good in the slot, and obviously their rookie Jackson Smith and Jigba. If Philadelphia is going to play man coverage, very bad decision. I can make the case that the worst man coverage secondary in football. They should not do that on Monday Night Football. That secondary versus Seattle's patch catchers will determine the game.
1: Kmart, talk to me. What are you looking for this weekend?
8: Greeny, I just want to see if the Ravens are going to stop playing with their food. Listen, we all love seeing Lamar Jackson heroic to late in games, but we don't need to. Their passing attack, especially with tight end Isaiah Likely, it's coming around. Their rushing attack is still there. The Ravens, they make things harder on themselves, and they really don't need to.
5: And then
6: finally, Harry, how about the game of the weekend? What are we watching for in Buffalo? The intriguing matchup between offensive coordinator Joe Brady and defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. Joe Brady has done a phenomenal job in the three games since he's taken over those duties. Dan Quinn, 88 turnovers that Dallas Cowboys defense since he took over that defense. In 47 games, that's first in the National Football League. Shout out to Himbo. All
1: right, so let's stay on this game here because it feels like there was so much at stake. The Cowboys have been red hot, but their schedule is tough the rest of the way, including this game. The Bills, meanwhile, they probably need to win out if they're going to get themselves into the dance. Danny, what will decide this huge matchup in Buffalo?
7: In motion for Buffalo's offense. I like Buffalo in this game. I think Buffalo wins this game, and I think when they win, Josh Allen jumps to the top of the MVP list. Josh Allen is still probably second or third in a lot of people's eyes, but if he wins this game, he's going to take over the lead for MVP. Uh, He's played at that level, and I think if you look at the style of this game, Buffalo's offense is Joe Brady, who um, Harry kind of talked about, started using motion. um, They've become a very difficult offense to stop, and I think Dallas' defense really struggles with it. If you go back to Kansas City last week, I think one of the things that stood out was how they used different motions at the snap to get the four-strong formation. See how like, it forces all this communication from the defense? There's four guys for Buffalo at the top. That's Steph by himself at the bottom. One-on-one, we're throwing to him. If you don't play him one-on-one, we have numbers advantage. So there's that easy throw to the tight end early on in that football game. You go to, again, different form of motion, but it's the same end formation, four strong. Now you're forcing another level of communication from the defense. It's going to take two guys, for the defense to cover essentially one person, and that's how they get James Cook down the seam for free. And then getting the ball to Josh Allen or potential backs in your run game. You hop the back, snap the football, hold the defensive end. Again, four strong formation. Josh Allen has become a runner again in Joe Brady's offense. And the thing about Dallas's defense, and Harry he talks down it, yeah, they're great. They struggle against motion. When you motion out the snap, they are a different defense. So I think because of that advantage buffalo
0: so talk to me about what the cowboys defense has to do against josh allen this weekend speed him up <clears throat> speed them up and that's what this cowboys defense can do because right. i think they have a legitimate advantage against that buffalo bills offensive line mm-hmm. i'm talking about the dallas cowboys defensive front those guys they have the best pass rushing group by a lot in the national football league and i think and listen what danny said is absolutely true Things that Buffalo are doing offensively can cause some problems. But the one thing I would say, that just lining up and just playing football against this Dallas Cowboys defense, I don't know how this Buffalo offensive line can be able to slow down all of these guys up front for the Dallas Cowboys.
8: So the interesting thing is that the Bills are 7-6 and six on the outside looking in. And I do believe they can make the playoffs. I do think they will make the playoffs. But they do have to win out. But for me, the big question, and a lot of people think is, Will Dak make everyone a believer this weekend? Mm. Will the Cowboys make everyone a believer that they can go on the road and beat a very good team? Can Dak go blow for blow with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL? Are you know are the Cowboys a legit Super Bowl threat despite everything despite the numbers that Dak is putting up? there's still doubt about whether this team can close out the season on a, on a hot streak and then get into the playoffs. So I'm actually looking at Dallas more in this game. Well,
1: it's a fascinating game because as hot as the Cowboys have been, the schedule's flipped now. Yeah. The Eagles have a much easier schedule the rest of the way. And we all understand that, that having winning that division is so critically sure. important to get the games at home, to stay out of San Francisco as long as you possibly can. Where's the edge in this game? I got Dallas. And it's because that defense. Let's put the picks up. We'll do the smashing of the helmets later. But take a look at this. Oh, Harry, you're you're, you're riding solo on the Cowboys today.
6: And it's because the pass rushers of the Dallas Cowboys. You look at Michael Parsons. You look at Dorrance Armstrong. You look at Demarcus Lawrence. I think those guys are going to be able to have the edge over the offensive line, like Woody mentioned, of the Buffalo Bills. And if they're able to get to Josh
7: Allen, then it could be problems all day long. I, that's where his athleticism shows up. You know, that's where, you know, with this past rush I've talked about it, all they want to do is create chaos. I think Josh is best when he's in chaos. You know, when and, and that's the danger. If you go back and watch the Philadelphia game, if on third down Dallas is going to play Buffalo the same way they did Philadelphia – Buffalo can have their way. If they're going to pressure Josh, one, get the ball out of your hands, to playmakers, Philadelphia didn't do that, and two, just go be a runner. And I think that's the big difference if you, you like, ask me, what's the one thing that has changed most since the coordinator changed? They've gotten back to using Josh's legs. There's no coincidence that we're in December. There's no coincidence that they're making their playoff push. And there's no coincidence that their offense is playing better now that they're using it more. Quickly, is Buffalo the team no one else in the AFC
1: wants
0: in the playoffs? No, everyone is praying for Dallas to win this game. Everybody in the AFC. Literally. Literally. (laughs) Buffalo is literally the team. If Buffalo gets into the playoffs, honestly, I think
7: they'll be the team to beat in the AFC. I totally agree. If Buffalo got in, who, who who do we have more confidence in? In AFC, maybe only maybe Patrick. Baltimore. Uh, uh, maybe maybe Patrick. Patrick, I mean that's it.
1: Patrick, Josh, we are the president. You're the president. I'm the I'm the I'm your chief executive <laughs> officer
6: of the Josh <laughs> Allen Fan Club. Hashtag Bills Mafia. And Go, Grinny. I know I get on Josh Allen a lot. Yes. But the reason why we all feel that way yeah. is because of Josh Allen. Right,
2: well, look, and and so we'll talk about of it. Doing it. And Danny
1: important. and I are not sharing our wings with you. That's what's not happening. We're not sharing our wings. We are beloved. They're going to hug it out. Right, we're taking a quick break. As we continue in a moment, we'll get back to Draymond. Uh, the decision. The league weighs in. We just got to get Kimberly. There remain so many questions. Get on board, K. Martin. Get on board. I've literally. Been on
5: board. Oh, guys, I've been on board the beginning.
1: Back with Draymond in a moment.
7: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: If you are just getting up with us again, the big news coming late yesterday evening. Warriors forward Draymond Green suspended indefinitely by the NBA. Following his ejection for hitting Yusuf Nurkic in the face on Tuesday night, the indefinite suspension takes into account Draymond's repeated history of unsportsmanlike acts. It is his second suspension this season. And if you were with us at the beginning of our program, we ran through so many of the other incidents that we have seen. Great insight all morning long. Woj is with us. Jay Will is here. Wendy is here. We have Stephen A. and Michael Wilbon coming up as well. But, Wendy, for those who are just getting up and joining us, what do the fans need to know about the indefinite suspension and where it goes from here?
5: So this is a process that we haven't seen the NBA go down before. It's a process that's essentially tailored to this situation, which is a player who keeps getting suspended and doesn't seem to be slowing down or correcting his behavior. And it seems like it's going to be a process that involves all kinds of multiple parties. Of course, Draymond, his agent, Rich Paul, the Warriors, the league office because you know in the past they've you know the, the league has let the warriors have space when it comes to draymond behavior that seems to be over and also i think it's important to point out the players union it's you can't just suspend a player indefinitely without Easy. having the understanding of the union and the reason it's important to bring that up is that right now the acting executive director of the players union is andre who who is a longtime teammate of Draymond Green's, won championships with him. And so what it looks like is it, it's a, basically a village is being assembled to try to deal with this situation because while there is this desire to see Draymond Green punished, and trust me, that desire exists within the league itself, um, the, 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 Adam Silver and Joe Dumars recognize that just handing down games and games and games isn't working. He has now been suspended four times in the last 13 months, not including the punch. Jordan Poole for what she wasn't suspended for. They're trying to find the cause issue, and it's a wide-ranging maneuver to try to make this the last suspension of Draymond's career.
1: So there's so many parts to this story, if you will, and then Jay, let's let's talk about the impact on a dynasty. We're we're talking about one of the genuinely great dynasties in the history of professional basketball, and he is one of the key figures of Mm -hmm. that with Steph, and with Clay, and with Steve Kerr, and that group that will be remembered forever. Are we now seeing it and in somewhat sad fashion. Yeah, you're you're
4: watching a car crash, and everybody's going to be rubbernecking to watch it. I mean, Draymond Green's impact on the game, you know, a lot of people like to call him a role player, but he was an exceptional facilitator. I mean, the reads he can make of defenses opened up the lanes for Steph and to Clay and to Andrew Wiggins for everybody to be special with that small ball strategy. So I think right now with Klay Thompson's contract on the men not knowing what you're going to do with that, not seeing the best of Andrew Wiggins seeing them being cap restrictive. You talk about Bob Myers getting out at the right time. Now you have a first year GM and Michael Dunleavy that has to be oscillating between do we blow it up or do we try to keep it together? And I think you're going to probably lean towards how do you not rebuild but reboot for Steph Curry because 31 is still playing at the highest
1: level. Yes, you still have Steph and he's the one guy who's still playing so extraordinarily well. Uh, Wendy, I want for those who were just joining us for you to go back to something you touched on briefly just a moment ago. I don't know Draymond green personally but if you just watch from afar when he's not on the court he seems to be a very thoughtful very, very interesting intelligent person. person and yet clearly there is something that is going on here what, what reaction were you hearing from people around the league yesterday to this what what things were they saying about him
5: I think you've exactly identified what the concern here is is that the the, the, the Draymond Green who's one of the smartest and really Savvy players. What he's what he's you know, known for is you know outthinking everybody as much as outplaying them. And he keeps having these breaks. And so what the concern here is, what is truly at the root of this? This isn't just about someone acting out and then having to be corrected. This is about what is causing a player who has this makeup who knows better. We know this because he has talked over and over about how he knows better continue to do these continue to do these things and that's what they're trying to address in the short term let me just say this is probably not going to be a short process this is not going to be him going and seeing somebody and then him bouncing back and we'll see in a week or so I think this is something they want to realize he's got four years on his career they want to get this dealt with so that this is not something that gets revisited again and again as it's been for the last few months
4: Wendy, I think you're right. It's not going to be a short process, nor do I think it should be a short process. Um, if you're the MBPA, you're going to appeal this. Andre Goddala, you're going to fight this. You're going to try to get it down to a certain amount of games. But at the end of the day, I think Andre Goddala, the MBPA and the NBA recognize that this is about the importance of the health, the mental health of Draymond Green for him to get the right help to make sure that when he comes back he is the best version of himself considering the years of his defense. All right,
1: as we continue we're going to hear from Big Perk we're going to hear from Stephen A we're going to hear from Michael Wilbon so stay with us for much more on this and I'll remind you that we have a great doubleheader coming your way tomorrow night. LeBron and the Lakers taking on Wemby and the Spurs then you will see KD and the Suns taking on Julius. And the next countdown gets you started on ESPN and the ESPN app. All right, back to football. Dan Orlowski, we're going to do something we're going to call calling an audible. Let's make some changes. Danny, what's an audible the Eagles can call to help their offense?
7: they got to be better on first downs. This has become one of the worst offenses on first down in all of football. I think they got to get things that are a little bit easier for their offense, whether it's some short throws. Make sure that Jalen's not trying to. Pass up an open person for a potentially more open person. They gotta get DeAndre Swift the football more. then offensive line's gotta get their pride back of changing the line of scrimmage. There's a lot to fix but they're simple and capable fixes for this offense.
1: Schedule is favorable the rest of the way. Danny, how about Jordan Love and the Packers? What's an audible they can call?
7: A.J. Dillon's shoulders. What I mean by that is (laughs) got to get them parallel to the line of scrimmage. When A.J. Dillon is forced to go side to side in their run game, it's not a good run game, and he's not a dynamic back. The more that they can get him downhill is the biggest part, and then Christian Watson's health. The speed that he provides this offense for some of the downfield passing game was missed on Monday night. They need to get him back on the field. And then in the AFC,
1: a lot of talk about the struggling Chiefs. Give me an audible.
7: Yeah. So when I go to Chipotle, I order double chicken and rice. Okay. First of all, we got to get Rasheed Rice, the football, <laughs> more. and then. So they got to figure out ways to not only help their tackles when they have to throw the ball to get, in, but also to get into less obvious pass situations. But it's got to be Travis Kelsey one, Rasheed Rice two when it comes to how they're designing plays for their pass game.
1: So can we just be clear that the only reason you mentioned the Chipotle no. order is because it's rice, and you wanted to mention Rasheed Rice? Yes. Like I just, I thought there was going to be some, <laughs> some other analogy you were making you there. You guys like I think it. There's going to be some the seasoning chicken? on
8: top of that, but. Well, no.
1: Well, you where's you the double like, do chicken? You get,
7: do you get, like, queso or any, like, no, salsa? No, 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 no. I get, you, you don't on get no end. queso? Nah, okay, bro. I go wait. four bowls. Oh, stand by. Yeah. Double chicken. Yeah. A little bit of brown rice
1: and cheese. Okay. Let's, uh, let's definitely not get into Dan's uh, food stuff. <laughs> let's instead hear from Travis Kelsey. Protein, man. Travis and Jason Kelsey, they do their podcast. And Travis had some strong words for us. Listen
0: we're not rolling like we've we have been in the past man and um i know a lot of there's a lot of media pointing fingers at uh some of the skill players that we have i say F- that and excuse my language uh, we usually cuss in lighthearted ways but this is uh i felt like you guys had to feel that whoever's talking on uh, on the the skill players and in, uh, in our offense right now man. At the same time, we know it's a lot of it is self-inflicted. And we know that moving forward, it can be fixed, and we have the guys to be able to get it fixed. Feel that, well, Harry. Man, Feel that, Harry. So that wait a minute. So my thing is, if it's if it's if it's self-inflicted, why are you mad at us? <laughs> yes. like, why are you mad at us? If it's your fault, why are you right. mad at us for us pointing it out? Right. I mean, come on, dog. Hey, hey
1: Look. He's doing what he should do. He's standing up for his guys and his room. The reality, however, is he knows we're right. He knows that their receivers aren't playing well enough. Let's go to our receiver. Mike Tannenbaum always says after the trade deadline, the answers have to be in the
6: building. Are the answers in the building for Kansas City? Greeny, the position on the football field that I love the most is the wide receiver group. Yes, But it's so hard for me, and I want to believe in this group I even came on here last week, and my bold prediction was that those wide receivers were going to have a dynamic game versus the Buffalo Bills. Mm -hmm. But once again, like they did in the Lions game, like they did in the Denver Broncos game, like they did in the Eagles game, and not a Buffalo Bills game. That's four games of of the five losses that Kansas City has on their schedule right now, where the wide receivers played a major part into it. Mm -hmm. So do I believe in that group right now? No, I don't. Because the proof is in the pudding. What they're displaying to me, also, there's, there's this connection with Patrick Mahomes that they need to get on the same page at times as well. So that's what's bothering me with this group right now. So, K-Mart, uh, Yes, mart the, the, the road to the Super Bowl through the AFC
1: has gone uh, most of the time literally and certainly figuratively through Kansas City huh? for the last you know, six or seven years. Does it still, in your mind, this year, is the road to the Super Bowl and the AFC through Kansas City if only figuratively?
8: Based on their schedule, it should be. They need to take care of business. Now, I think the Chiefs are still the team to beat because, like you said, it's always gone through Arrowhead. Um, And that is a a really tough place to play in. In fairness to Travis Kelsey, though, he was the same guy who was on the podium last year like, y'all didn't believe in us, now look at us now. And he's right. But I had tweeted after that game or during that game, like after the game, instead of yelling at Josh Allen and, and the refs, Patrick should yell at his receiver. Like, he should yell at Kadarius Tony because that's where the issue is, the receivers. And this isn't just a two-week problem. We've been talking about their offense.
6: games. We've been
8: talking about this all season. So I believe the only difference in this roster, Juju's not there. Mm -hmm. So the answer is in that building. I, I believe the answer is in the building. But the people to be mad at, are in the building, not outside.
7: The only reason that Kansas City is still the team to beat is 15. Right. Yes. Yep. And that's the only reason. And Andy, Andy Reid. Defense is very good. I, I think my biggest concern – I'm watching the clips. I'm hearing you talk. My biggest concern is this. <clears throat> when push comes to shove over the next three or four weeks and as they get into the playoffs, is Patrick Mahomes in moments going to look at a Sky or an MVS and go – you're open, but I'm not throwing you the ball because I don't think you're going to catch it. And the reality is this. They're not dynamic and explosive enough to not be efficient. Mm-hmm. So, like, my concern is because of what's happened, there's, there's Patrick's play drop because the lack of confidence and belief in those people. If that's the case then it will not go through. Now, go ahead. You know, I,
1: I never thought I'd hear myself say this when we come back to talk about them again. It may be their defense that carries them. It has it? To like, be right Their now. defense has been terrific. That has been all year. Maybe that's what carries them through. We'll see. As we continue in just a moment, we'll talk about Cam Newton. His comments about certain quarterbacks got a lot of reaction yesterday. The question is, is he right? And the answers are next.
5: Man, that boy bad!
6: Oh
2: no, 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 no! Man, that boy bad! That boy bad! Boom. Oh, oh, damn, Greenie! That boy bad! That boy bad! My goodness, Greenie! <laughs> that boy bad! So, watch it! Come here! Oh, I'm going! Oh my goodness! That boy bad! Let's do it again! That boy bad! <laughs>
1: It's got to be weird, people walking up to you in restaurants in Dallas and just doing this to you. It's got to be an
6: unusual yeah,
2: experience. But I
6: love every bit
2: of it. They <laughs> took me very well in the Big D Dallas, baby. So let's go ahead and get into it. Let's, let's do it. it. Oh, Dan Quinn. That's who's on my list today for that boy, Bad, because he has that defense playing ferocious. Hit, stick, that defense is doing. They making fourth down stops. Stephon Gilmore got riled up. Michael Parsons is taking advantage of Lane Johnson. Dan Quinn in his excitement, y'all. Guess what? Dead Boy bang. bad. Oh, we're going to go to Joe jo Flacco. Oh, 2008 draft class, that was mine. Yeah, and I bought some was... score with me today. <laughs> <laughs> because Joe Flacco was at home doing some score, dipping, and he got a call from Kevin Stefanski. But Joe Flacco go out there and throw for 311 yards. Play but, on. yo, you're going to appreciate this. It's the ball handling, uh, the play face, uh. that get those guys wide open. Joe Flacco, I know you were sitting at home. You're doing your thing representing for 2008 draft class. Joe Flacco, ladies and gentlemen. Dead boy bad. Oh, the last one, I'ma love this one. Action Jackson, Louisville alum. The way this young man played from the pocket, the way he was throwing that football, that's third and 17. Not 17, 17. a <laughs> baby Lamar Jackson. Isaiah likely for the touchdown. Lamar, 11 carries also for 70 yards. Dead boy bad. That boy been bad. That boy is a Louisville alum. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to do it one time for everybody. Lamar Jackson. That boy bad. Outstanding, as always, and continue sending in your (laughs) That
1: Boy Bads. We'll show them later in the show. Speaking of MVP quarterbacks, Cam Newton created quite a stir this week when he said on his podcast, there's a huge difference between a game manager and a game changer at quarterback. In case you missed it, here's what he said.
0: Bruh? Parody, Tua Tonga-Valoa, Jared Goff, and really, Dak Prescott. Hmm. These are game managers. They're, They're not difference makers. Listen, I don't give a damn what you do. You don't have to score every time. You just don't have to throw a pick every time either. There's a difference between managers of the game and difference makers of a
1: game. All right, so for obvious reasons, it's got a lot of attention across the board yesterday and continues today. Dan, as a quarterback, when you hear him say that, what are you hearing him say?
7: Well, he's accurate with what he's saying, first of all. Here's this, Greeny. Cam Newton's one of the best football players in the NFL of the last decade. So there's been a lot that has been said about him in his career since his comments yesterday. He's earned the right to be respected when it comes to the things that he did on the field. He was an MVP, so that's first of all. Second of all, what, Dak is, what, what Cam is saying is accurate, that there are different levels of quarterbacks. And game managers are not gotten, first of all, it's not a bad thing to be a game manager. We and a lot of the fans have made game manager to be something that has a negative connotation. That's not accurate. Are they lesser? Absolutely. Are game managers lesser than game changers? Yes, We probably have six game changers at that position in the NFL right now. Maybe seven. Most guys are game managers. Now, there's different levels of game managers. That doesn't mean they're bad players. Jared Goff, yes, is a game manager. He's a high-end game manager. Dak Prescott, a game manager, a high-end game manager. This
1: year that he's playing that way, that would be my question. Is Dak not playing at a higher level than that?
7: But, Green, he is, yes. I have said this for years. There's like six or seven guys that you put them anywhere and they're going to be good. And then there's a group of like another seven or eight that are really good players. And then dependent upon what is around them, if you got the good offensive line and good playmakers and and really good play caller, they can play into that level. But that's not who they are over the body of work.
0: Pete, we'll get in here. What do you think? Yeah, listen, I I think that honestly, I think there's like four like
7: game changers. No, no, there's more than that. No, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Joe, Jackson, Joe
0: Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Josh, Josh Allen. Allen.
7: That's you so you're you mean to tell me that you wouldn't put Jalen Hurts in a game changer situation in a conversation? Justin Herbert? Justin
0: uh, Herbert? No, no. I, I believe in the physical skill set. Jalen but, Hurts? No, Jalen Hurts. I think he's borderline.
1: But but moving beyond that. So moving beyond that.
8: So, okay, in. so so obviously I took a lot of heat yesterday for this. So why it bothers me? Because you're talking about game manager and how it is described, how it has a negative connotation. So you cannot – we know the connotation that's ascribed to it now. So you can't just call out guys and say they are game managers. If he had said Jared Goff, I'd be like, mmm, I don't see – Why don't can't see you it, call him get, out that way? No, 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 listen. Let me finish. I would say okay I don't agree but okay he can say that Purdy I'd be like mm, okay I see why he's saying that a lot of people feel like Purdy benefits from the offense around him I feel like that's a lazy take but okay all four of those guys in a year with Dak Prescott where you have taught we have talked about Dak Prescott being an MVP caliber all four of those guys Tua you, you've been a staunch supporter of Tua like I felt like all four of them it was doing a bit much and it came off like it came off really bitter and like these guys and Cam can say whatever he wants because he's earned the right a former MVP Mm -hmm. an offensive player of the year so he has earned the right but but to use that term you know he's not saying it with the nuance that you're saying it it's there is a negative connotation to the word to the phrase game manager and this season of all seasons to call out to and Dak like that I, I, don't, I don't think that's accurate. So
7: you're saying it, like Cam's trying to minimize their performance by the way he's yes. categorizing it. Yeah, yes. I think a lot of people yes. will take it yes. that way. Well, that's Whether he exactly meant it that issue. way
1: or not, people will take it but,
7: that but way. But the, I think the way that Cam is speaking is saying, listen, there's a group of guys that change games. No matter what, they change games. And then there's a group of guys that don't. They're really good players and they are they they benefit from the play caller or the offensive onto the people around them but you win a lot of games with that's that, that. Doesn't mean that they're bad players. A lot of people are taking it that way. I don't think Cam is sitting there going, "These guys are bad." All they're doing is managing the game. He's just saying we got to make sure that we don't put them in a category that they haven't. Well, the,
1: so the complicated part is that the entirety of the context of what he's saying we don't have, and th- that is the point. We don't know if he, if he meant it the way you're talking about or not. The the term game manager. Fairly or not, has taken on something yes. of a negative no, connotation. No, and it, that's un- no. I'll be very clear. It's unfair. Right. It is unfair. So, so, it's but, unfair. So, but yes, because I think people will hear game manager and they'll say, "It sounds like you're saying that's something almost anyone could do." What did
7: I remember when Dak was going through the contract? Yeah. Years ago, what was the phrase that I said? Y- you
1: said, "Don't pay good players great player money."
7: Correct. Don't pay good player, but don't pay him great player money. How we get in I, here? I think here's one of the things that's missing this whole conversation.
6: Because when you look at whether a quarterback is a game changer or a game manager, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, they all need their teammates, right? We've seen that with Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right, when the offensive line was depleted. We've seen it with Joe Burrow. Even though he won a playoff game getting sacked nine times, when you get to the Super Bowl, you need that old line to block Aaron Donald so you can get that ball off to Jamar Chase. So at the end of the day, you're going to need
7: your teammates in a team sport, which everyone is needed. Whether you're a game changer or a game manager, I think the difference, Harry, though, is this: when you're a game changer and you have your teammates, you can win the Super Bowl unquestionably. When you're a game manager and you have your teammates, you hope you win the Super Bowl. But, but here's my here, here's my rebuttal to that, because you threw Justin Herbert in there. I think talent-wise, Herbert is
6: in there.
1: The the the, the okay. radio uh, final word, Kmart, go.
8: No, we've talked about Tua. You think he can win a Super, the Miami Dolphins can win a Super Bowl with him? Yes. Okay, but but you're talking about game manager. Cam is calling him a game manager, and you're like, game changers can win a Super Bowl with the talent around them. So so the two of the Dak part of it. Yeah, but I, I would,
7: but I would put two in and say like, you hope you win the Super Bowl if you have the right teammates around them. You know, with Jalen Hurts, you, know, you expect to win the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes or Lamar, you expect to win the Super Bowl. All right, this mm-hmm. conversation will continue. I'm running out of Got time. Late. The
1: radio talk show host in me is dying to make this list. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I am dying to do a list of who the game changers are and who the game managers are. We will do oh, it right. on the radio today. In the meantime, we get back to the story of the morning next. Draymond Green suspended indefinitely. What does it mean? Woj, Jay Will. Kendrick Perkins, Stephen A., Michael Wilbon, all in our next hour. Stay with us.